You are listening to the OneOfUs.net podcast network. OneOfUs.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to OneOfUs.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Great big piece of poo, if you ask me. <laughs> well, you're wrong, and I'm going to start a coup that's going to bring you down, Justin. Hey, man, I'm only the second guy on this website. <laughs> you want to really make change around here, you got to go after Chris, and what has he done to upset you? <laughs> that's true. He does eat my food, and so I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> He eats my food. That is a, that is a <laughs> defending statement to not have a coup over one of us. He appreciates that. my contributions is what I'm saying. What have you ever done for me? Guards? <laughs> I, I was on the first review with you that you did. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> or at least one of the earliest ones. But anyway, uh, hey, everybody. We are talking about The Great. This is, believe it or not, the second Captain of the Great series that we got this year. Because we got that other one on HBO with Helen Mirren. Yes, but that's her more later in, on in her reign. This one is very much at the beginning before she is the great. She is just Empress Catherine. Which is interesting because it technically it's not for the well, uh, HBO one because that covers 30 years of history in, in four episodes. Yeah. yeah. But no, this one is literally taking place, yeah, just to start the plot synopsis, that it takes place in the six months or so after the point when she comes into the court, which... Fudges history, but the... After, you know, something that you guys have both been like, me, me, about, is like, no, there's an asterisk next to the grate on every title screen that says, an occasionally true story. So there's revisionist history going on right here. I think that meant occasionally true, like Death of Stalin, occasionally true. The more accurate term for this would be a rarely true story. Yeah. You, you can only get away with that so much. But anyways, the actual plot here is that, yes, like we said, Catherine the Great, uh, you know, before she's the Great, gets brought into the court of uh, Emperor Peter, being Peter played here third. by Nicholas Holt. Yeah, Peter the Third, being played by Nicholas Holt. And uh, Catherine's being played by Elle Fanning, who, you know, Dakota Fanning's sister. Uh, and basically, she realizes that her fantasies of becoming this well-beloved empress who would bring change and goodwill and everything to the, to the country... Is not what she imagines because Peter the Third in this version here is a boorish, sexist, rapist, crazy maniac essentially, uh, and he proceeds to rapist. Ha- but mm. he full on forces himself on more than one occasion, just politely so. It's more <laughs> that he wants something, and everyone's like, "You're the king." So it's it's not like he's consciously doing it. It's that he's the king, and therefore has expectations that everyone will bow down to him. He's very Henry VIII in that regard. He throws temper tantrums when he doesn't get his way. Yeah, but, okay, well, let me just finish before. And just saying that, yes, it leads to eventually that she's going to launch the coup against Peter III that we know in history. Okay, that's the gist of the plot. Because along with that, there's just a bunch of other stuff with these loosely based on real people characters here in her life. Like, they all have the same names, but they share... Almost absolutely zero qualities with the real people they're inspired mm-hmm. by. Like what? Like uh, Grigor is one of the characters. Orlov. Gregory Orlov. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing, though. It's just that what bugs me so much about this show. It's like, I mean, <clears throat> most people know my feelings on this because I kind of vented on Facebook because I was knee deep into multiple episodes of that show. And I was just like, please make it stop. Mm-hmm. But 
the history, I can accept if something isn't entirely historically accurate, but knowing the history I do about Catherine the Great, this one goes so far off what actually happened mm-hmm. that honestly it should have just been about fictional characters. Because this in no way reflects any actual history to Catherine the Great except for a few cliff notes every now and Oh, then. I absolutely agree. I mean, if this had been something entirely fictional, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. I didn't hate it as much as you did in general, but I, yeah, I definitely would have really gotten into it if this was just some crazy 18th century fairy tale thing that they were doing but yeah i like you know uh, quite a bit about the actual character and i just kept going no no this wouldn't have even happened okay this is dumb all right is this a cartoon what is going on see i completely disagree and i love history too i i you know catherine the great was fucking brilliant in everything that she did and you know i honestly i think that asterix lets it get away with a lot. You know, it it reminds me of, there's a show called The Windsors, which is about the royal family. And it is completely made up, even though it's based on all the real people. And that's what this is, only using historical people. And it sets the tone from the very beginning of, this is a satire, this is not, this is very much revisionist history. You know, don't come in here expecting a historical recreation. Go to the many, many other places and and films slash TV shows for that. This is a comedy. This is a satire. We set it up that this is not going to be factually accurate. And, you know, with that, it was easy for me to follow along, even though knowing that the characters were different than their real-life counterparts because they set it up that they were going to be different than their real-life counterparts. I know. I just There's a certain point where that started to wear on me because the other bigger issue that I have with this is that, okay, so this was co- well written by one of the co-writers of The Favorite, Tom McNamara, which apparently this was based on a play, too, which what? baffles me. Yeah, no, this is, they made a point. It's like, based on the play by so-and-so. It's like, oh, wow. But that's the problem is that The Favorite was also semi-historically inaccurate at points. I mean, some big creative licenses. But it more or less had some kind of grounding because Yorgos Lanthimos, who directed that, had some way to balance out the more gross, vulgar elements with some really good drama. And the comedy was used smartly to balance out between actual wordy banter and then the gross, weird stuff. This one is that thing completely unfiltered. Because right off the bat, within like 10 minutes, you get... Vulgar cussing jokes, dick jokes, sex jokes, poop jokes, you know, again, a, a, you know, aggressive sexual scenes. And it just got to the point where it's just so gratuitous mm-hmm. that I got worn out. Because I'm like, I can handle a crude joke, but when it's just that nonstop with no wit or subtlety or nuance or strategic placement, it just gets exhausting. And when you have to sit through 10 hour-long episodes that have nothing but mostly crass dick jokes and sex jokes... I started to lose my mind halfway through the show. I'm just like, this is just so irritating. See, I didn't see it as gratuitous, though. I saw that as setting up Peter the Third as a character and setting up his court. Because I but that saw those. You don't like. Like that's the thing is like it's one thing to set up his character, but he's such an unlikable douchebag the way they portrayed him here that it's hard to feel see, any. I disagree. Sympathy. I disagree because I think he's, they set him up as a perpetual child and a perpetual child who is allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. Again, I think he is very, very similar to the real life Henry VIII in regards to his characterization, only less uh, capable. Yeah, but he's also not real, anywhere near Peter the Third. That's the thing that kind of irks me. But it's like, yeah, they're drawing inspiration from 
other characters rather than the actual Peter III, who was incompetent, but he was not a vicious psychomaniac the way that he's portrayed yeah. in this. Where he's- I don't think he's psycho. I think he's a child. He's Joffrey. He's very on Joffrey from Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, he, he, he was a doofus in real life, but yeah, he was definitely not Joffrey. Yeah, I don't know. I... And that's the problem that... And I saw him as a doofus. Like, there's the scene when he wants to, uh, you know, he has to choose the Grand Patriarch, and he hides in a closet. Like, that scene in particular, it's like, they said, you know, the fact that every time he takes a drink, he throws the glass down and says, huzzah, is like, these are things that... Everyone does that in this show. How how many glasses did they break between this? (laughs) I know, I thought that too. But it's like, these are things, these are moments that you say are gratuitous, but I think absolutely set his character up as being a perpetual child who happens to be in charge of a country. They, They did that similarly when he's talking to the king of Sweden. They're both very similar in personality. And it's like, these are the doofuses that are in charge who get to have their way, who have no concept of real life consequences. So they do the crass, the gross, because they have no understanding that everything has ramifications while these women in the background are going, man, this fucking sucks and I need to find a way to stop it and overcome it. So yeah, I I didn't think it was gross. Well, that's the thing though too, is that Catherine... When you look at her history, she was almost as ruthless, just in a more controlled and nuanced way yeah. in certain parts of her oh, life. Like, especially as a as a as a warrior, she was nasty. But that's oh, the thing yeah. too is that it's the problem though is that there's no uh, there's rarely ever any dimension to his character. Like I thought Nicholas Holt playing him did absolutely everything right. Like he was playing the character exactly oh, yeah. as written. Yeah, the character was a shithead, but the performance was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what irked me so much is that by the episode one, I totally got what his character was about. They laid out everything on the table, and you have to wait nine more episodes for the thing to happen to actually happen. And that really irked me, because I'm just like, I, guys, I get that you find it hysterical of him casually sentencing people to death and screwing people on the table and just saying cock all the time, the F word. But at some point, I just got exhausted, because I'm like, I, I just, there's, there's so little else that they explore. And it wasn't until maybe episode eight, when they introduced the Swedish king, that he even showed any other range to his performance. Again, I disagree. I, I think that he did. I think that he, with his relationship to Catherine, he, again, a perpetual child able to do whatever the hell he wants without understanding of the ramifications. But I thought that it very much showed, you know, with the performances of Fanning and Holt, her influence on him as he tried to break free of it without understanding how to break free of it. And I think that happened at least halfway through the series, that you could see his evolution. Granted, it was gradual, and it wasn't complete, because he just didn't know how to complete it and become the person that he wanted to be. But it was absolutely there. It just didn't make the jokes any funnier was the problem, because literally, anytime they start to show some wit or a setup to a joke, the joke almost always ends with, F-word, cock, huzzah, or some random thing happening. And I'm just like, it didn't really... It wasn't really smart about it. It had some part moments of shining to be smart, and then it's like, and eh, never mind. Let's just say the f word, and let's just say huzzah, smash a drink, smash a glass. <laughs> and but that's the thing too that I felt with Elle Fanning's character was the problem. Where I'm like, I liked Elle Fanning a lot as the app performance, mm-hmm. but she's such an idealized. Like I mean, again, the way they amp up the insane moron doofus thing with him, they amp up the sweet revolutionary idealist to her to the point that she's just kind of bland at points where I'm like look I get they want to make they want to project her as the idealized version of what she is rather than the actual Catherine and especially with the way they transpose 21st century revisionist logic to her because I'm like there's some stuff in there that is absolutely not true about the way that Catherine inspired Mm -hmm. history 
it's true in retrospect when you look back at what she did but that's not the mindset that she went in with especially like the whole anti-war thing where i'm like yeah that's absolutely not true at in the, in the least bit. yeah yeah and so that's what bugged me about her it's like i wish i liked her performance more only in the sense that like, i liked it on a technical level but the writing really did a, a disservice to them and that's how i felt with a lot of the characters because there's a lot of great actors like oh my gosh one guy i love in this who i've seen other stuff adam godfrey who plays the archbishop in this mm-hmm. that dude's a great freaking actor and i've seen him in other stuff and in here, he's kind of just written mostly as a one-dimensional evil evil Christian character. And he sometimes gets a development, sometimes gets a moment because of his relationship with the maid character, you know, shows a different range. And then they almost always underserve him with like, oh, but he hates he hates knowledge and science and printing presses because they are bad and God hates those things. I have a feeling that they're going to do more with him in the next season. Because... Okay, is there going to be next season? Yeah, it's... So. Yeah, there is. Hmm. Uh... That that was my yeah, understanding. Yeah, well, because it's listed as a miniseries, so I know they want a second season, but what else can they do now that they've solved the main thing that addresses the conflict of the story of Catherine the Great? Well, no, there's one big pivotal scene from history that I was kind of hoping they would include in this. I figured it would be the finale of the show, and that's when she showed up uh, on horseback in a borrowed military uniform to rally the troops to her side, and that part wasn't in there, so I, I, if there is going to be a sequel... That's what, that's what made me think. It's like the way that you know she started her coup is not the way that it ultimately ended in real life. So it's like, this isn't the way that it happens. So it's like, and granted, you know, occasionally a true story, but, you know, it, it, it set it up that it's got, there's going to be a second season. Yeah, I just can't think of what else would do because by the time that Henry, the, I mean, no, sorry, uh, I keep saying Henry VIII because you keep saying it, but Peter the Third, by the time he out, he was ousted, he died eight days later. Yeah, so yeah, but he's no not less. caught yet. <sighs> yeah, well, he, he was murdered. All, <laughs> there's the historical debate on that one because it's been widely contested about how he actually died. Right, but. That's the problem, then, again, I have, is that, again, this show does not care at all what, you know, the history is. It's just all about the crass, uh, the crass comedy and the themes of Catherine's going to bring change. And she did, but in a ways that feel like they're not authentic to the actual time period. It just feels like it's just a bunch of anachronistic 21st century revisionist logic. Because, you know, even the stuff like her conflict with the church and all that kind of stuff, it's like... Catherine was staunchly religious to that point. Yeah. And they make it where the Archbishop is one of her main adversaries throughout this. And I'm like, but yeah, she enlightened sciences, but she was also a huge proponent to religious freedom in the country. And that really just made it where it was just a basic writing knowledge of, oh, science good, religion bad. And that didn't really serve any other purpose to the story. I, I don't want to make it just only about the history, but I just felt like ultimately the problem I had was it's not very funny to me because I just... I can only tolerate so much crass humor, and ten episodes is way too long for this. Yeah, I felt it did drag on a little bit. I mean, maybe, but I enjoyed the ride, so that didn't bother me. I thought that each episode dealt with an issue that maybe made the main story arc drag a little, even though I didn't really feel that. But in and of itself, like, you had the thing about inoculization. You had the thing about the going down to the front lines. You had the thing. And, and, and all of these, you know, bringing science and bringing art. And from her standpoint, it, it showed, you know, gradual depth of her character. You know, you said she was flat. I disagree. I think that she had an arc, too. 
and that it may not have been as big it may not have been as fast as you may have might have wanted it but it is definitely there and i actually thought that was really interesting to see unfold I don't know. I, and, and the problems I have don't even just go to the writing because it's easy to just nitpick the writing and that kind of stuff. But I actually had a lot of problems with some of the technical presentation, too, because there's something about the way this show is shot where it just feels really, really cheap looking at points because they, they have a lot of big costumes and sets. And then you remember, oh, the sets are the exact same sets from The Favorite. They, they didn't even bother to redecorate half of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally just the exact same locations. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I haven't seen The Favorite, so I don't... Oh, no, the, it, it is quite literally the exact... Like, if you see sh- uh, shots of The Favorite, they are the exact same hallways and the exact same locations. And then they just throw in a bunch of Russian-looking costumes to differentiate the costume design. <laughs> but on top of that, too, something that really bothered me is that it only happens sporadically, but there are some of the worst visual effects I've seen in any TV show in a while throughout this show. Because anytime there's an animal, anytime there's fire, anytime there's anything that requires a little bit extra stuff, it is some of the worst CG that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, there wasn't very much of it. I've seen some other things earlier and that are far worse, so I absolutely disagree with that. <laughs> well, okay, maybe, but I was saying, like, in, on a show of this scale, I didn't expect for that, the CG to look so fake. Like, it looked like gifts at points were happening on certain characters. <laughs> yeah, the, with the bears, especially, like, the first bear, I thought, bears, eh, I it wasn't too that. terribly bad, but then the second one, there was a point where she was outside with, with her it. new pet bear, and I, I laughed at how bad it looked. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, but they're not, and those... they're very long. No, they're not very long, but they stand out. Especially those gosh dang butterflies around that one woman where I'm like, oh, oh my yeah, goodness. The butterflies. Who decided to leave that in the shot? Um, but yeah, I just, there's a, a lot of those points. And the, honestly, the only thing I can honestly praise without any backhanded compliments is the actors for the most part. Because I think the acting is really, really strong. Because you got, what, Phoebe Fox is in this, Sasha Dewan, uh, like I said, Adam Godfrey, Douglas Hodge, lots uh, Sebastian D'Souza, lots of character actors that you've seen in other things. And they are all giving it their best just to play Gwilym big, Lee. large. Oh, sorry. Oh, Guilin Lee. I know him from Midsummer. Um, oh, right, that guy. Yeah, he I, was. I knew he was the best friend who has a major arc too, which was really interesting. And see, his character with uh, Gregor, I actually. Well, actually, yeah, that's the. Sorry, I was getting it mixed up with Gregory and Gregor because they're spelled exactly the same, but with one letter. Right. Um, I thought his arc was almost there like he almost had an arc that actually elevated the material because there's the whole thing with him that he's letting uh, peter the third sleep with his wife to be in his good favor and that actually started to go in some ancient directions at a point but it never felt like it was fully resolved and that kind of irked me because i'm just like but you had something here you had something really strong and this actor is doing a really good job selling those points and it almost always gets undermined by something really inexplicable in the way that they do certain decisions like even her as a character you realize oh she is even more complicit in the debauchery that's happening to him than he is in some ways oh yeah (laughs) and they they always seem to immediately go ah but don't worry about it (laughs) whenever that's what's (laughs) happened it's fine it's russia it's fine yeah honestly a character literally ends the last episode with going well russia's a crap hole and it's always been a crap hole so don't worry about it (laughs) you know (laughs) uh which that also was one of those weird things where it felt like it was a Seth Rogen perform a Seth Rogen production because there's weird anachronistic jokes that they introduce things that are modern but in a in a old context. They're like, "Oh, I just invented the word wow!" Isn't that they weird? made a Chernobyl joke? They did. Oh, that was oh, look at them! They're from the Chernobyl Choir. They're glowing. Uh, <laughs> stop it! Like it's almost funny, but I'm like, wow, did they? 
they totally went there. <laughs> I just, I was just gonna... stop it. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, I don't know. I, I am, I'm trying not to just be vehemently angry at this because <sighs> I'm failing. But it, it just is what it is. It's a very crass, very uh, energetic, crazy, over the top satire of old school politics. And I guess I just wouldn't be so mad if I haven't seen other things that did it better. Because honestly, like, again, The Favorite isn't so goofy in comparison, but it is, you know, wildly inaccurate in certain points. It takes lots of creative liberties. I mean, freaking a dude break dances more or less, in the middle of The Favorite. <laughs> yeah. And that didn't bug me nearly as much <laughs> in comparison. Um, but then also Death of Stalin. I don't know if either of you guys saw that movie. I've seen that mm-hmm. one, and... I, I liked this better than the death of Stalin. <laughs> oh, see, I thought the death of Stalin was exactly what it should have been way more than this was. Because even though that one also takes creative liberties left and right with the actual story, it's grounded enough in the truth and it has enough like witty banter and comedy that bounces out the drama and the comedy together. I just felt like that did yeah. it ten see, times I, better than what I it disagree did. with that. I thought that it got too dark for trying to make itself a comedy. Oh, see, that's what I liked about it, though, because that's the no, problem I had I with this. No, I did where... not like about that. Well, because I think that one, I agree, was dark. It's really depressing at points, but at least that was some drama to balance out this, because otherwise, in this show, this show's incredibly mean-spirited. Like, oh, like yeah. nihilistically nasty at points. Like, there's one scene that happens in episode two, and you'll know it when you see it. It happens at a dinner table. I... I'm going to have to scrub my brain for a while to get that image out of my head. Cause... I, I had to look away. And I mentioned this in, in the chat. I thought that was absolutely a character moment, so I thought it worked just fine. Uh, oh, yeah. No, the what it represented definitely came across, and that was a really strong moment. But just it, it was almost like watching Evil Dead at some points. And I, I normally have a pretty strong stomach when it comes to gore and gross stuff in movies. But that was one where I was like, ah. Yeah. Oh, she was sure. Interesting. Look at that. Well, and that's the thing is that I don't mind gross stuff, but it just felt there to be like, see, isn't it shocking what she has to do at this moment? And I just felt like it was too much at that part, at that point. Because there's a lot of that stuff. There's tons of sex throughout this show, like everywhere, gratuitous sex scenes, almost all of them where they don't really show anyone topless. So it's like they want the quality of having sex, but they don't actually want to show any real sex stuff happening. Yeah, and that adds to the feeling of what it's like to be a royal. Again, I I thought that was a character thing. Yeah, but even like fully nude moments where they have characters get out of bed and that stuff, they have strategic placement stuff throughout it. It's like, look, Castlevania just full out showed Dong at one point in that, and that's an animated cartoon. <laughs> you know? It feels like in, in this one the, the guys were naked more often than the girls, which is very refreshing. Oh, that was a very conscious choice. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely a very conscious choice on their part, which I'm like, hey, I'm all for equal opportunity, but equal opportunity means equal. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but, you know, and that's the thing, too. And then and then also just, again, F-words, cock, dick, huzzah, used ad nauseum throughout the entire <laughs> show. Like, half the dialogue is just those words, I feel if like. If I never hear the word huzzah again, it'll be too soon. It's seriously, it, it is like almost every other word out of every other character's mouth. It, it gets extremely grating after a little while. Again, I thought that totally matched the the tone of the court, so I didn't mind it at all. <laughs> yeah. I, well, even to the point when Catherine started using it uh, so much, I'm just like, okay, it's infected everywhere. It's it's brain poisoning on the show. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is there any other points that I feel like I missed? Because I'm sure, you know, both of you guys, you have other things to say. Because I know, Rose, you didn't hate this as much as I did. 
Yeah, I'm right in the middle between you two. There was a lot of it that I didn't like and wish that was different about it, but overall, once I got to the end of it, it all did kind of gel for me, and I I wanted to like it more than I did, but I definitely didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to when I started out. So I, yeah, I, I kind of dug it, um, but I just wish that it was entirely fictional. <laughs> True. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, Mindy, I'm on, uh, sorry, I've been ranting and raving. You get some points to t- talk about other good stuff you liked about this. Well, I, like I said, I liked the uh, silly, you know, sophomoric nature of the of the humor. I thought that added to the mm-hmm. nature of this is what Peter the Third's court is. It's full of sex. It's full of crude jokes that he has to keep reminding his court to laugh at. It's full of over the top violence that he doesn't have any understanding has ramifications of. You know, I. I really, and just to top it off, I tend to much prefer silly humor to dark, you know, nihilistic humor too. So it's like, you know, I'm there watching the very beginning of the first episode and it got to that title screen and that asterisk came up and said an occasionally true story. I was in. I was in from that moment on because that set up the tone that it was not going to be... I didn't have to worry about it being historically accurate. I didn't have to worry about it. Be, you know, it, it was setting itself up as being uh, comedic in a way that I really enjoy. Um, and I thought the acting of pretty much everybody was just brilliant. I don't think there was really a weak character um a weak actor in the bunch and then you know there were the moments it it was nice to see the moments that were historically accurate like her inoculating herself against smallpox and Mm -hmm. and you know there were there were character moments that were really really touching too like when they go to the front and aunt elizabeth stops the carriage and just goes out and screams it's like those moments are like they're small, but they say a lot about who these characters are. And I really appreciated that. So, yeah, I I dug this show. I dug it from beginning to end. And, and you know, when Catherine came into their own, I if I'm wrong that this is isn't going to have a second season, um, it ended too quickly because they because. <laughs> You know, I definitely can see that it is a setup for the next season. Um, but what it is in the evolution of Catherine coming from this doe-eyed, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed romantic to a leader, uh, I I thought was really well done. And, you know, Peter III's desperately trying to become, you know, come out of the shadow of his father as well and then everybody in court just trying to survive Uh, yeah i i totally dug it okay well uh yeah on that point why don't we just segue into final thoughts then Uh, (laughs) any other points you want to get into before your final rating uh any other points uh well uh like uh, hmm no i think i said (laughs) well i was saying like like, was there anything that you weren't crazy about in the in the show i'm trying well i mean you you're well, one, like I said, I think that it ended too quickly if um, they were going to focus on... If they're not going to have a second season, they definitely ended it. You know, they should have gone more into her actually gaining power 
as opposed to just sort of the very, very teeny beginnings of the coup. Because uh, that's what it was building up with. It it added a lot of things in the very last episode that are twists and turns that, if there isn't another season, are not going to be built upon, which they really need to be. Um, you're right that there are some aspects of the uh, CGI that were not good, but then, you know, they weren't there very much, so it didn't bother me all that much. Uh but yeah, I mean, you know, I watch things mainly for the the actors, and they they killed it. Really, I thought they were really good, and I I liked the fact that some of the things that they were doing were so off the wall, which represents the nature of the court, and yeah, <laughs> and royalty. Oh. Okay, well then, uh, yeah, what would you give it? I am gonna give it, uh, you know, like I said, if you know, based on. Mainly the ending and the fact that they added a whole bunch of stuff that, if they're not going to build upon, is a shame. I will give it 8.5 huzzah smash out of 10. Yes, I would like to give a tribute to the 10,000 glasses that gave their lives to make this season. R.I.P. Oh my god. So many. There must be, like... Trash bags full of glass. Some are offset. Uh, offset in oh, that God. so many. That props person. <laughs> I, I felt so sad for the people working on this because, like, yeah, the the glass, the blood, the everything else that they, all the stuff that they just destroy in this show. I'm like, this is a disaster to have to clean up after. <laughs> Um, you know, I'll go next so we can end on something a little bit more positive with Rose's rating. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I hate to be the curmudgeon. I know this show's gotten a decent reception. It's like 80% positive Rotten Tomatoes with a 73 audience score, I think. I just don't know. Like, I expected it to be crass. I expected it to be a little vulgar and a little, like, you know, again, very comedic and goofy just from watching the trailer. I didn't expect it to go on for 10 hour-long episodes of just that. And that's kind of what I got, unfortunately, from this. I, I don't know. I... I tried not to be angry about it, but there became a point when I realized how close we were to the ending, and it was only then starting to get... It, it, it reminded me of when I watched Snowpiercer, where Snowpiercer I was a little bit more forgiving on, but by that point I'm like, wow, we waited eight episodes for it to actually become Snowpiercer. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, wait, but you, you could have spent all this time doing this stuff. It just bugged me, and I feel like for a miniseries, if it was actually planned to be a miniseries like it's listed... It probably should have been six episodes. I think that would have been yeah. much more concise, much more to the point, and the crassness wouldn't have graded on me so much because at least it would have condensed a bunch of filler points that were happening. Because, like, look, the science fair was cute. It wasn't really necessary. A lot of the arguments mm-hmm. with the Archbishop, I get what they're trying to go for. It wasn't really necessary. Uh, Orlov's little side quest that happens when he has to deal with the Swedish soldiers, it was interesting. It wasn't necessary at all to the story. <laughs> And I just kept feeling that through all of this. And, which also, that brings the point, too. It's like, technically, Peter III was not at war with the Danish at that point. He, I mean, with the Swedish. He wanted to go war with the Danish. That was the whole point of his thing. And that's why he became unpopular. But that's beyond the, beyond the fact. Anyway, um, yeah, I was really angry at this show. I only saw one other TV show that wasn't as bad as this, but also irritated me a lot. That it would just, you know, it kind of tempered my hate for it. But not enough for me to recommend this show at all. I think this was... A total waste of time. And it's just... I think I just realized that unless you got someone really good working on these series, I'm just kind of tired of these revisionist dramas the way that they do them like this. Because then you got that show like Dickinson on Apple TV Plus that does the same thing like this. And 
a bunch of these other shows are just like, eh, the real story isn't important. What's important is that we take our heroes from the past and make them more like the people we want them to be now. And I'm just sick of those, honestly. So I'm going to give this uh, 3.5 out of 10 doggy parachutes. <laughs> oh, man. I know, Rose messaged us just like, if that had gone any other way than the way it happened, that would have killed the show for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I'm not normally one of those people, you know, dogs meeting foul ends in movies. I can just tell myself it's just a movie, but that had the potential to be so needlessly cruel and, and shock value that I was about to go, all right, no, well, never mind. You- know the movie logic tv logic you can kill 800 people but you don't kill the dog that's when you know yeah. they're evil <laughs> roland emmerich it would be proud that they avoided the dog death here <laughs> all the millions of people he kills in his movies but that one dog made it through the fiery storm and he's he lived that's all good <laughs> sorry but go ahead rose <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I didn't quite hate the show as much. I might even be inclined to watch it again sometime. Uh, I thought that the production design was absolutely gorgeous, minus some spotty CGI here and there, which, you know, I, I can forgive them for that. I'm sure that the production budget went into the actors and the sets and everything, so a couple cartoony-looking bears here and there, eh, fine, whatever. Um, and, and the acting was absolutely top-notch for as unlikable as some of these characters were. You really started to get into all of them and know all of them and start to feel like you, you really know who these people are and look forward to seeing them, even the jerks. Um, but yeah, at times it just got a little too cartoony for my taste and they really pushed the limits of, well, it's it's a... You know, it's inspired by the real events, or it's a mostly true tale, and it's just that that started to get on my nerves. But uh, yeah, overall, I I liked it. I just didn't love it, and I would give it uh, five thousand smashed glasses out of ten thousand. <laughs> I will say that this show does the thing that bugs me about every historical anything. Catherine was Prussian. Everyone else is Russian. Why the hell are they speaking in British accents? Yeah, well... Yeah, that was something else that didn't bother me. Oh, no, it's just everybody does it. Every single movie ever that's historical drama does it. But it's like, dude, why? I hate you. Um, but Because I, I would I would rather watch a series than, and quote-unquote suffer through british accents in a russian show then have to sit there and watch terrible attempts at russian accents the whole time <laughs> hello there comrades i am here from but russia. russian is best accent ever it is I mean, so even, fun. even if they were good accents it would still be distracting oh ah to the gulag with you <laughs> well you know if you like your history directed by the people uh, the characters from it's always sunny in philadelphia this is the show for you absolutely that is a perfect way of putting it <laughs> yeah i almost imagine danny devito's character going like okay i need you to do this now <laughs> <laughs> well i kept thinking of there's a podcast i listened to called the royal blood and the one about Catherine the Great is called Catherine the Great and her husband the Mediocre. And I thought of that watching this whole thing. <laughs> you gotta throw the dog off the balcony. <laughs> it's okay, he'll float. <laughs>